Hello world and welcome to the program. This is Alex and my weekly episode of Ukrainian Unleashed, a podcast where you'll get along with Ukrainians and also observe how the global scenery impacts Ukrainian society in these exciting times. We speak about events, trends, individuals and lifestyles of modern Ukrainians. So let's jump right in! Hello, my friends. I'm recording the audio for the interview with my friend from Prague, from Czech Republic. And this will be the interview about the Europeans and the European values and how we really, uh, the Czech and Ukrainian, estimate those values by ourselves. So, Alex, uh, first of all, thank you for taking your time uh, from your busy schedule uh, that you have joined us. And please, uh, the floor is yours. <laughs> let, us, okay. let us hear something about you. Well, thank you, Mate, for uh, inviting me. Uh, that's uh, like my pleasure, of course. I really like uh, your podcast, and your format is uh, very cute, uh, like very interesting. First of all, uh, because. Uh, I, uh, I I went through the couple of episodes and I was uh, really interested in how the Europeans perceive themselves uh, and what they think about Europe living within Europe um, and the European mentality and European values is uh, uh, I think the common thing for a discussion for all of us and that's why even being Ukrainian of course I'm involved very much into the European discourse about uh, what's next and what what is Europe for all of us. Well, uh, I'm also, as you said, I'm the the anchor of the Ukrainian Unleashed podcast, and I try to um, um, reveal Ukraine and discover Ukraine for the whole world, for, uh, for, for the foreigners, first of all, for the international community, because a lot of them, they just don't know what is going on inside of Ukraine, except politics, probably. But I'm actually interested not only in politics, but in uh, common topics uh, about the different things like music, cinema, the animal rights protection, uh, the, um, uh, the level of journalism in Ukraine, the media. Uh, what's going on in business, what's going on uh, in the IT industry, and uh, a lot of a lot of stuff like that, um, which are not discovered by uh, by the international community outside of Ukraine. So that's why uh, my purpose is to give as much information as I can in English about Ukraine. Uh, well, I'm also, very briefly, I'm a journalist uh, working in the regional media in Odessa. This is an online media um informer and also i uh i'm a member of the institute of political information which is the um ukrainian ngo uh basically working in the south of ukraine uh in odessa region uh, mikolaev region kherson region so this is the southern part of ukraine so thank you alex for for giving us the opportunity to hear something about you and it's, uh, I would say, in my opinion, it's very, it's very, very interesting, but at the same time, very honorable, so to say, what you're doing for your country, Ukraine, trying to introduce your country from different perspectives than just from the politics, which is, as you said, something that everybody hears about just because of the situation between Russia 
and Ukraine, and also the parts of your country, such as Luhansk, Donetsk, and so on. So my first question would be for you, as this is a common European podcast, and we are trying to find the, the answer for, our, for the commonalities that we might observe and have between us or among us. I would like to first of all ask you, uh, you, Alex, how many countries in Europe have you visited so far? Uh, well, actually, that's a very nice question because uh, uh, some people, they really like know few countries in Europe probably. And uh, for them, the Europe is mostly a picture uh, that they see on the internet and on TV or I don't know where. Uh, well, I, I was blessed actually to visit um, I, a lot of countries in Europe. Well, if I will count if I counted, uh, that's probably like 17 or 19 countries uh, in Europe only. Uh, because uh, once I counted them all, what I really, where I really traveled during my whole life, and uh, I, I've traveled, I've been to 23 countries, and 18 of them are European. Uh, well, it just happened because uh, part of my life I really spent in Europe uh, during my studies. And uh, also, these are the opportunities that I caught um, in, in the university, uh, thanks to the European exchange programs like Erasmus and um, other programs and the conferences I attended to as well. Uh, so uh, basically I've been to different parts of Europe, uh, probably except Scandinavian countries, that's a pity, but I, I, well, no, sorry, I, I was in Finland. I was in Finland just, just like a tourist, um, just as a tourist. So. Um, uh, I've never been to the UK because uh, we, uh, as Ukrainians, we still need to obtain a special visa to, uh, to for visiting the UK. Well, in terms of the Europe, European countries, you know that from 2016, uh, Ukrainians obtained the visa-free regime for visiting the European Union uh, countries during the three months. So we can go there using our biometrical passports. And that made life much easier for Ukrainians and a lot of Ukrainians finally visited a lot of different countries and discovered Europe as tourists. Uh, some of them, they also like started their studies there. After that, my uh, experience with European countries actually was uh, all that happened to me uh, about Europe uh, that was before 2016, even before I got the visa-free liberal, like the liberalization regime. So uh, I obtained the visas, but still went to Europe, spent uh, two years of my life in France for my studies, six months in Lithuania, three months in Romania, um, and like other countries I just visited as a tourist. So, uh, and that's all the time that's impressive. And I still have lots of places and uh, countries that I've never been to, and I really would love to go uh, like to all of them at least. <laughs> the Erasmus is actually aiming for creating something that we might call a European identity. Uh, however, and I think you already answered this question, but uh, let's elaborate on that a bit. And that is the question about which country is your favorite one uh, here in Europe? And uh, what makes you so attracted to this particular country? Mm, 
Mm, probably if you ask me about the most uh like attracted country in Europe I would say that this is France because uh well I was found um uh, of France during the uh, all my childhood uh because I I love uh, history a lot and uh, you know I read a lot about France and when I finally got there I was so amazed by the architecture by the style and I also I was learning French for two years um, during the, by the time when I got to France. So um, this was uh, something very personal for me. And then I went there for uh, working in a campus. Um, uh, this was a kind of uh, summer internship for me. And then I, well, I, I attended to the master degree in one of the French universities. Um, so that's why France for me is uh, is a very beloved country. You mentioned that Ukrainians finally have the opportunity to actually move in a Western direction rather than the Eastern one. So how do Ukrainians perceive Europe? And now I'm referring a bit to the European Union, of course, but how do they perceive this uh, European mm. idea? Well, the perception of Europe in Ukraine is uh, quite uh, high and uh, positive, and it's growing uh, from year to year. Uh, even though you know that in in Europe and in in the rest of the world we have big problems um, uh, regarding the politics, the economic situation, and stuff like that. But uh, in Europe, I think that 2013 the revolution of dignity that uh, happened in 2013 was a key point uh, for Ukraine uh, because uh, the majority of people, uh, they already felt that Europe is the right direction. But unfortunately, our government wasn't uh, so sure about that. And uh, there were plenty of reasons why. Um, the confusion about the perception of the European, uh, of the revolution of dignity um, in Europe may be that uh, like a lot of Europeans, they were thinking that Ukrainians are fighting so hard for joining the European Union, actually. But uh, the thing is that there was this wasn't the number one um, desire for Ukraine. The desire was to uh, to finally start building the uh, well the 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 European country within the Ukraine uh, to get rid of the corruption to. Uh, to have the government that would respect the, the laws and the human dignity. And uh, we got, got sick of the uh, problems we had inside and uh, that, you know, never, that never changed. <clears throat> so uh, this was our first desire. We were moving closer to West because of course the European values and European uh, way of thinking was uh, for us was more, um, positive and uh, could bring us more um, uh, more law and order in our country. And we felt this support. So that's why, of course, we didn't want to leave like uh, like other countries of the former European, oh, sorry, uh, USSR anymore. Uh, so that's why we really uh, began this process of transformation. And that's why we, we also, um, got stuck uh, with the reaction of the uh, Russian Federation because they don't want to lose Ukraine as a, mm. 
as a former USSR Republic and uh, a neighbor country, and you know that they they estimate Ukraine as um, uh, well as a brother or a sister, mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. Uh, that we they they, they never would admit uh, Ukraine uh, going uh, like sharing the Western values first of all, not even going uh, to the European Union because we never know <laughs> if this will. Ever happen? You know mm-hmm. that a lot of yeah. other countries are still waiting. That that's not the reason. The reason is to transform our country from the inside, and they are scared about that because this is a very big challenge for the Russian uh, regime if Ukraine will turn out to be successful. They still feel sort of a historical ownership over the Ukraine, right? Because Ukraine was Correct. a very long time of your history. Uh, Ukraine was part of the whatever Russian Federation, Kiev, Russia, uh, Russian Empire, uh, USSR, and all of these uh, uh, state entities. So it's yeah. uh, it's very, I really, it's very interesting uh, explanation for the perception of the Ukrainians or how the Europe is perceived in the, in the East, because this is also something that should be really said out loud because for example the perception of ukrainians that is present in czech in slovak in poland in whatever uh, it's always based on the experiences with the people that you get to know right and usually those are labor workers right in most of the cases and this is where for example in czech republic and i'm not saying there is a sort of an anti Uh, bias against the Ukrainians, but they are perceived as cheap labor, you know, cheap workforce for doing things that Czechs wouldn't do. And this is very interesting to see the perception on the other other way around, right? What is the perception of Mm -hmm. Ukrainians in Ukraine that stay there for whatever reasons and how they see Europe? I understand that, uh, of course, a lot of Ukrainians, they still are going abroad. uh, uh, And this is happening because uh, they are struggling in Ukraine. Some people, they just do not want to struggle, do not want to fight. So they they are looking for better life uh, abroad. Uh, But you know that, um, well, if Ukraine um, succeed uh, in their way to uh, transform into democratic country and, uh, of course, will grow their welfare, uh, I think that, of course, the immigration will uh, be limited and will stop just because the Ukrainians will have more um, opportunities to uh, be employed here and to live their successful life here. We actually is the, let's say, the the, the, the country that separate that still separate um, separates uh, European countries uh, from the uh, Russian country, uh, from the Russian Federation and. Uh, we have the borders with Europe and we have the borders with Russia and we are like a transfer country. Um, everything is happening here. And uh, that's why actually the, the discourse about Ukraine, I think that it, it went to the all European level. For, for us, the Europe is a, somehow the lighthouse. So uh, the European countries, the Western democracies, they give us the example of what, uh, how the, society, the successful society uh, might look look like and how the government need, needs to be built and what would be the division of the power in the gov- between the government and the parliament. You know how this really needs to work. 
Um, that's why we we take a lot of the we try to learn a lot from the European dem- democracies. And I know that from the from the inside of the Europe, uh, there are a lot of problems with uh, with the governance of the countries of the European Union as of the, of the common institutions of the European Union. It's very interesting what you've just said because it's uh, uh, in terms of the Europe as the lighthouse for Ukraine uh, uh, to show the example of how the good democracy works. That's very interesting because you have more than more than well now we have 26 members as far as I, if I remember good 26 members of the EU and every one of them each they there are some similarities in how the system works, right? It's a parliamentary democracy, it's a whatever, it's a monarchist parliamentary democracy. And there are different levels of the democracy. And this is very interesting thing, right? Because Europe and European institution works as sort of a scale for balancing this extremism, liberalism. And it's so interesting because then the Ukrainians, they can actually see what works and what doesn't. And then from there, they can pick what they really want to implement in their own um, environment. So this is also very interesting what what you have said in in the case of the lighthouse. What is the one thing that you like about Europe? One thing, and then what is the one thing that you don't really like about the Europe? Actually, what comes to my mind when I uh, think about the Europe is the diversity, because I saw that plenty of times already. I saw how diverse Europe is, and still it's... um, uh, a unique um, landscape uh, I, in terms of the of the values and uh, the way that how people really uh, probably perceive their lives and their uh, societies. Um, what I would say uh, about the bad things is that probably um, mm, I don't really like that uh, European Union, actually European Union uh, lacks integrity. Uh, And it goes, uh, you know, um, it goes at the same time with uh, diversity. You know, on one hand you have diversity and it's cool because, you know, when when it's so many different things that you, you can see and learn and meet in European continent, on the other hand, you don't have the integrity between them. Uh, and uh, the integrity is what really uh, creates the misunderstanding sometimes. And that's a tough thing, of course, to do, uh, to create the, under- the common understanding. I think that Europe lacks the storytelling uh, because some people, they, they, they simply don't understand uh, why they need to live together and why they need to learn from each other. But this is actually their reality because all this, uh, this continent is packed by countries. As you said, like 26 countries, well, I even think that there are 27, but like the, the Croatia joined, the UK left. Anyway, <laughs> even, even though they, uh, you know, the, these are the movements inside of the block of countries, still you, you live together, you can't change the geographical position. And yeah. the lack of integrity, this is actually what creates the problems. Uh, some people, they just don't want to hear other people and uh, even their neighbors. Um, and I think for Europe, the, when we talk about Europe, this is very important. You know, sometimes you spend two hours on the road and you are on in, in another country already. This is not what you can, 
experience in Asia, for example, simply because uh, like the, the the ties between countries are not so uh, close, and in Europe they are so close. Even when you know uh, the the friendship and the relatives and the marriages, uh, your families are so mixed. I made a I made a short note to the to what you were saying just, and uh, I think if we we do understand Europe properly then we actually understand that one of the things that Europe can teach us is how to respect someone with a different opinion. And mm. because uh, the opinion of people from different countries is uh, shaped by different uh, uh, inputs, right? Because what you see in the, I don't know, let's imagine what you see in the Czech newspapers, it's something completely different what you're going to see in the Polish newspapers. Why? Because mm. of discourse. And uh, I mean, of course, we can now say that in Poland nowadays it's going to be even worse because the Polish government bought many of the newspapers through the Orlen oil company, which we're going to see what is going to be outcome. I don't expect anything very positive coming out from this situation when the government is actually owning the local newspapers, even though through a privately owned company. But anyway, what I wanted to say that, in my opinion, what is the good thing about Europe? As you said, it's packed. It absorbs so many different cultures on such a small land. And this is this in inter-exchange and uh, this, and you said like, like for me, I'm half Czech, half Hungarian. I know so many people that are half Hungarian, half something here in the Central Europe. Why? Because this is sort of the leftover of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, right? When the Czech, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, uh, Austria, Hungary, Southern Slavs, Balkan countries, all of that was part of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. And this is sort of the leftover from that era, right? And we we don't have to really deal with that, but it's the beauty of being European, right? That you are probably mix of at least four, uh, five, six different cultures, right? And this is the beauty of the being European. And as I said, like to me, one thing that I really like is that it teaches you respect each other for having very different opinion based mm -hmm. on based on your culture, based on your government, based on your experience, based on everything that you experience on your daily life. And one thing, yeah, and I'm going to mention one thing that I don't like really about the Europe, and that is still the division between West and East. And now I'm going to a little bit elaborate on that. Why West and East? Because Easterners are still perceived in the West mm -hmm. in a very non-positive way. Mm -hmm. non-positive way in the same way as Ukrainians might be perceived here in the Central Europe, right? So cheap labor of course it's changing but it's difficult to change someone's mind right? So mm -hmm. what I don't really like is uh, perception of the Eastern Europeans in the West why? Because if we want to be really united in diversity we should try to be really open towards the the sort of uh, different opinions of Eastern Europeans that might not always agree with what the Westerners say. Why? Because mm -hmm. Europeans, we were shaped behind the Iron Curtain, right? Like your yeah. my parents, they lived 
under communist regime. So they still have this, this perception of the big brother watching them, surveilling them. And we, I just like, I believe that we really need time to really, I don't want to, and now pardon my French, but we really need time to get our shit together. So what mm -hmm. we learn from the European Union and how really the country can change if uh, it implements the European standards and values, this is all comes actually from the neighbor countries we have, like Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Romania, we look uh, forward to them because uh, this is our example. I mean, these, well, we say we often say the Czech uh, Republic and Poland. This is like um, Ukraine in the future, probably mm -hmm. like in 20, 30 years, because uh, like you also were a part of the Soviet bloc and you transformed and you really moved forward a lot. Uh, you have lots of achievements, and, and the only thing we can do here is just to follow your example because we never we we were never a part of the uh, european union as a, as a, the whole, the whole block of countries we can also learn from your experience and th th that's it so uh, basically right you you we need to educate people people are just they just don't know what to believe mm -hmm. uh, if they like the communication they uh, start thinking irrational and they sometimes pick up the uh, populist narrative and that's how they really destroy their unity and their beliefs, you know, because they are just just misled by uh, the the politicians who just want to gain the popularity, of course, and to be elected. <laughs> because it's very easy to accept this kind of uh, populistic ideas because it's usually one of the easiest and the short-term type of solutions, right? Well, do you think that European Union is important for the life of common Europeans? And, uh, well, Ukraine is not the member, obviously, of the European Union, but to some extent it might be also very important for you. So imagine common European, and uh, do you think that there is a importance in her or his life uh, of European Union? Mm -hmm. um, I think that European Union is very important even in, in, the, in terms of the economy because uh, <laughs> it makes the life of the Europeans much easier. And, you know, the freedom of movement of uh, the goods, uh, the capitals and the people is uh, a big, big achievement. Do you think that it's possible to have uh, two identities? And uh, now I'm talking about the, your national one and then the European uh, identity. Mm -hmm. And how does mm -hmm. this notion of having multiple identities manifest itself in the life of the common European? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I think uh, we all have really two identities uh, already. Uh, me, I have yeah, my Ukrainian and European some people in Ukraine, of course, they don't have European identity. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, they even don't have Ukrainian identity. That's the whole problem because uh, they feel themselves as a rather USSR citizen or the Russian, um, mm. like the like the, the, the Russian as uh, their uh, own, uh, the, the first nationality. Anyway, um, European identity is something that was created in my understanding 
during the last 50 years only. And this, these are the values, first of all, and uh, the communication between the countries. Uh, if uh, you, sh you can have your own cultural code, because we are all from different parts of the uh, of the Europe, and you know we are the Eastern Europe, and uh, this, the the Western Europe is very very different. And uh, uh, but the the main thing is to share the, the same values. The European identity in your uh, sort of uh, worldview is shared values, beliefs, and uh, understanding while engaging and creating the common future yeah with other yeah. europeans as so. well yes accompanied with the empathy compassion and understanding and respect all of that what comes with actually coming in touch on daily basis with different opinions of people from different countries where do i see europe based on the current situation that we are seeing right now happening in the central europe western balkans and Eastern Europe, and especially Eastern partnership countries, while well, we can see what is happening between Azerbaijan and Armenia, which are both members of the Eastern European partnership, and what was the reaction of the European Union, right? We haven't mm. seen any sort of reaction whatsoever, because probably might be like that, that Europe didn't know how to react on Russia and Turkey, which was, of course, probably... Uh, proxy war between these two countries, I guess. The second thing is, what is the reaction of the European Union regarding the Belarus? The same thing. They are concerned, and that's like the, the whole story ends, right? By being concerned, you're not going to help those people that are actually in need of your help, right? By being concerned, you're just saying that you are not capable of doing anything because you're actually afraid of doing something. You are afraid of the reactions, what might be, or the states, member states of the Europe, they don't share the same opinion regarding the Belarus, right? For Spain, what is Belarus, right? It's like, there, mm -hmm. no, there is no argument. Yeah, they don't There is no country. argument in Spain supporting the opposition in the Belarus, right? So this is something that we should be also working on, right? So mm -hmm. where I see, where, Europe might be in 10 years is more dividing than is now. What is my hope that with hard work of young people like you and many other people, we're going to see a better future. We're going to see more united Europe. We're going to see more diverse Europe. We're going to see bright people building and innovating the processes that we are uh, implementing or we have right now in the Europe in public world, in NGO, in whatever. This is my hope for the future of Europe. But this is something that we, this is something that is not gonna come without any price of very radical change in the mindset of common Europeans, right? We, mm -hmm. and this is something that I really like with uh, Brian Whitmore said, uh, during our session, he said that we are basically in the crisis of uh, identity. We don't follow the story that has been built throughout the centuries, right? The story of, in the case of the Europe, the story of fight for your own rights, fight for your liberty, right? In France, in any other countries, mostly, well, the France is a uh, put 
that France is sort of the biggest example of uh, fighting for democracy and freedom, right? So this is something that we have sort of lost touch with because we don't learn, we don't study our history. And this is the most beautiful thing that we can actually take inspiration from and build by the future for Europe. So this is my hope for Europe as such, that we come together in order to build strong lighthouse, as you have just said, in first part, lighthouse for other countries that are not yet members of the European Union, that they can take the example of and build a better future for their own citizens. But this is something that we really have to work hard on. And I hope that there is more people like you that they do really pay attention to what is happening around them and they are willing to spend their time on actually building this strong grassroots that we need in order to build better Europe in five, 10 years. What is one thing that in your opinion has your country uh, contributed to to the European heritage? Um, I think that uh, Ukraine actually uh, contributed, already contributed a lot to the European heritage. I'm not saying that this was, uh, you know, the, the, um, the key country or something, but uh, the history of Ukraine, as, as you also mentioned, uh, was somehow connected with Europe all the time because we were the part of the Austrian Empire, the part of Ukraine, uh, while well, we were the part of Poland as well. And uh, uh, lots of Ukrainians also migrated from, the, from Ukraine in 1991, uh, working uh, now in different countries and be became a mem members of the European community already. It's also the, the, uh, the country which separates uh, Russia from the European countries. And we have the war in Donbass and we are keeping this border between Europe and Russia and uh, will, willing to win. Um, e, and this is very important, not only for us and for, for Europe as well, because, uh, um, the, you know, the borders of Europe is actually moving far to the east. And this means that Europe actually is a, a successful project if we talk about the European Union. We can see European heritage in the long term, but also in the short term when in 20 years we're going to be talking about the situation when Ukraine was fighting for the Europe on its eastern borders, I would say. And uh, with that, on that note, uh, I would like to thank you, Alex, once again for taking your uh, time to be a guest on, on my podcast. I hope that my uh, interview and my example will create more clearness and understanding of where Ukraine is and what Ukrainians really think about Europe. Thank you. Thank you, Alex, once again for your uh, great contribution to, to our podcast and to our discussion and uh, finding our intention of finding the common European identity. This was a new episode of Ukrainian Unleashed podcast. Thanks for being here with me. I also would love to thank Purple Planet for lovely musical compositions used in this episode. I'd really appreciate your comments, reactions and subscription to our podcast channels in your favorite podcast app. 
and we did our best to extend our presence all over the web. You may find us on Spotify, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play Music, and also Deezer, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Castbox, Player FM, Podknife, and of course, check our pages in social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram accounts with fresh updates are waiting for you. New episodes coming up weekly on Mondays. Stay tuned and safe.